This episode is brought to you by the Weight Inclusive Business Workshop. Wish you would have taken a few more business classes during undergrad? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Mark your calendar for September 29th and 30th as Hannah and I host the first ever workshop specifically for weight inclusive business owners. This is a two-day event where you can dedicate time to learning strategies, implementing systems, and working on your business instead of in your business. Save the dates, September 29th and 30th. More info coming soon. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. We know you're kicking ass at your side hustle. But as it's growing and you're continuing your 40-hour-plus work week, you're questioning what comes next. Leaving the stability of a day job is terrifying, and you have no clue how to get health insurance and are waiting for the right time to just come up in front of you. If this sounds like you, get ready for today's episode because we are going to be chatting about when it's time to leave your day job and pursue your weight-inclusive business full-time, which Morgan and I have both been through have a lot to say about it. But before we dive into today's episode, let's check in with Morgan. Morgan, what were your business highs and lows of the week and whatever else you want to share? Gosh, we haven't had highs and lows in so long. So happy we're bringing this back. Two highs just over, it wasn't like necessarily this week, over the last seven days, I officially onboarded my virtual assistant, which I am so excited about. And we got started with our first systems, which feels just really good. And then the other high, I'm going to nerd out a little bit. So I have been doing some research on some marketing for Superbill and have come across the term growth marketing. It's like the opposite of bro marketing, which is like icky, salesy, whatever, whatever. And growth marketing is more about like authenticity, building relationships, encompass. And that is kind of some grassroots marketing. And so I nerded out and bought two books on growth marketing And I'm really excited to dive into those because I am like the growth marketing strategist now. I have a new title, which I'm super pumped about. Yeah. And so I feel like that's just given me like this like rejuvenated energy around developing the marketing strategy. So pumped about that. Do you have the name of the books off the top of your head? I don't. Okay. We can link them in the show notes. Let me, let me read them first. Let me, let me scout them out. And then if they're good, I'll recommend them. Okay, perfect. That makes sense because we know business books can have some fat phobic bullshit. And so Morgan will uh, screen them for us and then report back. I'm pretty sure they're both written by two white men. So I really, I tried so hard to diversify who was going to be teaching me about growth marketing and it didn't happen. That's fine. I'll let you know how they are when I finish them. My low from this last week is I came back from Mexico City and Denver feeling calm and grounded and 
like I had this really solid plan for Q3 and I'm like slowly losing sight of that. I'm like desperately trying to like grasp onto it again. And I'm like, this is, it just speaks volumes of like the impact that Mexico city has on me. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold on to that, but I'm triggered. I am so triggered by the, just the word grasping. Like I feel that so hard grasping for Q3 and the plans. Yeah. And so I will say I, I wrote out my quarterly goals that I feel, and I did that in Mexico city, which I feel super solid about. And so I just need to like remind myself to like check in with that every morning to like keep that at the forefront of my brain and then continue to like add things to Asana. I love it. Yep. You have to keep yourself grounded when your location is not keeping you grounded. What about you? What were your highs and lows of the week? Well, I first wanted to do a quick calculation of when was our VA episode and the time between when we did that and when you hired your VA and started onboarding them. Like that was very quick. Uh, A month. It was a month. We recorded that on June 1st and then I officially onboarded her July 1st. Nice. Yes. It happened so quickly. And mind you, I held all the interviews before we even left for Mexico city. And then I spent Mexico city prepping for her being onboarded, which happened on July 1st. It just goes to show like when you're ready to take action and you make a plan and have the steps, then you just rip the bandaid off. Like that's what you have to do. There's never going to be that perfect time to add your VA. It's just, Oh shit, I need this. And I'm going to figure it out. And that's what you did. Good job. What a fitting metaphor for today's topic too. I know. I know exactly. Okay. What about you? What were your highs and lows? Okay. So my highs were pretty high this week, which I'm so excited about. And it all has to do with other people. So at Values Driven Group, I had two new business coaching clients sign on, which I'm super stoked about. Um, did the discovery calls, AKA disco calls, which is what my friend Nick taught me. That's what they should be called from now on. Yes. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with that. Yes. I meant to say this last week's episode because my friends are visiting and then I forgot. So disco call, I will no longer call it anything else but that. Yep. So anyway, the discovery disco calls (laughs) went really well. Felt like my very, very ideal fit of people to work with and got them scheduled and ready to go for the rest of the year. So stoked on that. And then I sent out two offer letters to, I'm going to say two a lot, two to two, to two amazing dietitians who are going to join Nourish Colorado (gasps) and they both accepted. So we're going to be busy onboarding them over the next few months. We're going to stagger them a bit because that's just what you do in group practice. And I'm just so excited to keep growing our team and be so connected to people and everybody's values are just the same. It's so great. So there will be nine of us now. <gasps> Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. Congrats. And thank you. And then I sent out an offer letter to my business apprentice, Caitlin. Yeah. I only say her name on the pod. She said, so we kind of alluded to her a few episodes ago and she's like, I heard you kind of mentioned me and I screamed. So <laughs> and I hope this brings you a ton of joy. We're so excited to have hey. you. You'll definitely be doing some stuff with us with the pod. So I'm excited to have my first business apprentice. Dude, look at you go. 
Congrats. Oh my God. So what has happened since we've last seen each other? I know. I know. So this is where my low comes in as I feel so fucking chaotic. It is unreal. Like I, I feel every meeting I'm going into, which I'm really trying to not bring chaotic energy, but like (laughs) my supervisor, Martha, we had our um, supervisor meeting yesterday and I walked into the room. She was feeling a little chaotic too, but we were both like, ah, just so much energy. And so I'm ready for some meetings that don't have so much of that. AKA it's mostly coming from me. So, um, (laughs) I'm in a little bit of a grind with all these things happening and I'm going to be out next week because I'm going on a cabin trip and I will have no Wi-Fi. So I have to work ahead for grad school, plan onboarding stuff for when I get back and just manage the day-to-day of everything else. So how are you? I'm okay. No, I'm not. How are you feeling about not having Wi-Fi? Good. I can't wait to read. And I guess you go, you go out in nature quite a bit without Wi-Fi. So that's like a, a common occurrence for you. Not for a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It'll be great. I'm excited. And that's why I'm really trying hard to work ahead mm-hmm. and not have to do anything there and get to just relax. Are you bringing books with you? Oh, yeah. I don't know which books yet because that's on my to-do list to go get some on top of everything else. So <laughs> love it. We will see what books end up on the trip. We'll yeah. report back. We'll report back. We'll report back with all the books. Are you ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. Today's topic of when is it time to quit your full-time job and work for yourself full-time as Hannah alluded to, is something that both of us have gone through and we both have quite interesting experiences and journeys with it. And so we are here today to share a little bit about what that looks like. We've both shared our business stories before episodes three and four, but today I am going to zoom into a period of five months from the time that I realized my job was a little bit in jeopardy until I quit my job for good. Oh boy. Um, this is, it's, it's, I'm just going to name it here. So vulnerable. I'm so thankful for the whole journey I've been on. I'm, I'm so thankful for all of it. And so I just like want to name that. Um, and there's a lot of emotions tied to this journey in my life, this time frame in my life. So I was working a more corporate style job doing outreach for a treatment center and was there was a lot of like leadership change happening within the company and there wasn't a lot of stability and what our expectations were. Mind you, this was like within the first few months of COVID as well. And so we kept being told like, do the best you can. We know this is a weird time. Um, I mean, we were we were used to like being out in the community, having breakfast, coffee, lunch, dinners, hosting events, like all the time. And so to not do that during COVID, we didn't really know what our roles were supposed to look like. No one really knew what it was supposed to look like. We were all figuring it out. There was just a lot happening. We were we were being told like do the best you can, and that was that was just the message that I took on top of managing my own emotions. And so I was quite caught off guard. Uh, This would have been August of 2020 
when I got put on a performance improvement plan or a PIP. And basically what this is, I never heard of this until I got put on it. Uh, Definitely a little soul crushing because I am an overachiever and was very social and, and it made me question, well, let me start performance improvement plan is basically like, you're not meeting the expectations that we set. Here's what we expect to see from you over this defined period of time. And a lot of it was that I wasn't developing the relationships that I needed to be developing and wasn't essentially like working hard enough to achieve the goals that they had set for me. Whenever you have a job that you love so much and you're putting your like, like it like becomes you like I, I, I love this space. I love this feel. I love the eating disorder space. And, um, I also am a very social person. And so to be told like, you're not being how I perceived it was like, you're not being social enough. You're not asking the right questions to people. Like it, it is hard to not take that personally. I was going to say, it sounds like it felt like a personal attack. Yeah. And I tried to not, I tried to separate it out, but there was already so much like integration on top of having to figure out all of the emotions of not being social during a pandemic. (laughs) It was rough. It was a rough time period. Got put on the pip, kind of lit a fire under my ass. And I was like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do this. I've got this. Let's, let's go. My direct supervisor was so supportive during all of it. These were definitely things coming from like a little bit higher up. And so I'm so thankful for her support during all of it. But like, ultimately I was like running myself, what felt like running myself into the ground. I was like, you know what? It's, it's my pip was for two months. And I was like, I'm just going to give this my all and do whatever I can. But that led to some really intense burnout. And I don't even know, because it was like, it was like burnout. Yes. But it was also just like a lot of negative self-talk, I'm going to be honest. I'm really thankful. I I was working with the business coach at the time, um, was also seeing my therapist pretty regularly. And so I had the support of the two of them, like as I was going through this and trying to just like manage the emotions that comes with being on a PIP and being told you're not doing good enough at your job and your job's on the line. It, It was probably one of the lowest points mentally in my adult life. Uh, that I've that I've gone through for an extended period of time. I was crying all the time, crying multiple times a day. I I'll share a picture on Instagram, but I was crying so much, and that's just how I cope with emotions. I cry a lot anyway, but I that's how I was coping with my emotions. That I was like, I need like proof that this job is breaking me to validate myself. Mm. And so that was one of the reasons that I did it. And so I started keeping track of the days that I was crying because of work, um, where I could like fully be like, this happened at work. I am crying because of it. And so it was honestly kind of helpful because <laughs> then at the end of it, like I, this is, there's what, there were seven weeks on this. So that was about the, the length of my PIP. And I'm like, what, like, wh- why am I doing that? Like my mental health is shit. Why am I putting up with this? Why am I doing this? At the end of those two months, I had a meeting with my supervisor and her boss. And I was, I had not met my PIP 100%. And I was fully expecting to be fired that day. I was, I was mentally prepared for it. And then I wasn't fired. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is a turn of events. And was told that they were extending my PIP for one more month. And that was just like my 
breaking point. And that conversation happened on a Thursday at the end of October of 2020. And then beginning of November, I put in my notice for a month. I gave him a month. I said that very quickly. There were a lot of things that went into it. I was like writing my, no one tells, no one teaches you how to write a letter of resignation. I'm like, I'm such an emotional person. I wanted to be like, I'm so sorry. I'm leaving. Here's why. And then after talking with my dad and my business coach, they were like, nope, you literally say, you know, please accept this as my written notice of resignation. This day will be my last day and ended at that basically. And I was like, this feels so dry. Yeah. (laughs) What'd you say? I said, have a nice life. Yeah. And it was hard. It was really, it was, it was like bittersweet, right? Cause I had been with this company as a dietitian doing outreach for like, I'd, I'd been with them for a while. Honestly, I did not feel ready at all to take the leap, but I knew that for my own mental health, like I couldn't keep, I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing a PIP. I like, I just like, I didn't have anything else in me. I had only made $14,000 the year that I quit $14,000 in my side hustle the year that I quit. And I was like, how the fuck am I going to grow this? Like I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm leaving. So like, what, like, what do I do? Like, there's so much that I have to grow to. And I so badly wanted this just like immediate, like, don't worry, you're for sure going to make at least your corporate salary before you leave. And like, no, I didn't. We're past the year mark. I did not. I definitely raised my revenue um, quite a bit. It went to about 50000 in revenue the year after I quit, which is, you know, a great step up from 14000 Funny what happens whenever you can dedicate 40 hours a week to your job. And I, I honestly, like, there was, like, a weight lifted off my shoulders for, from putting in my notice. Um, I was mentally prepared to go into some credit card debt. I had an emergency fund. I just naturally had one. I didn't prepare an emergency fund for this leap. Um, I just, I had learned back in like 2017 that it was smart to have an emergency fund. And so I just built one up. And so I'm very thankful that I, that I had that proactively and that didn't inhibit me from leaving. And I just kept reminding myself, like, take the leap. And if you need to get a part-time job, you can. I panicked myself so much at one point. I did apply for a job at Jenny's Ice Cream. I've talked, I think I talked about it in my business story. I made a, I like doodled one of her ice cream pints onto my cover letter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Didn't, didn't ever hear back from them, which is totally fine because I was able to do it. But I mean, even through like the first few months of a full-time entrepreneurship, I always had that thought in the back of my head of like, you can always get a part-time job, Morgan. Like you can always do something like it was around the holidays but I mean, here we are a year and a half later and things aren't perfect, but they are constantly moving in the right direction. And that's my story of how I quit my full-time job. Oof. Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people assume the story is like, I was so busy at my day job and then I was so busy in my private practice. And then boom, I like left on really good terms and everybody was excited for me to go out on my own. And it's like, no, sometimes these are literal shit storms where you're made to cry and your job is not great. And yep. you're feeling a bit maybe forced out before you were ready, but you knew there was not going to be a ready time. Mm-hmm. It's and, and that's the TLDR is like, there's never going to be a, a good time. It's cliche, so cliche, but it's so fucking true. 
That's so true. Are you glad that everything went down the way it did? I know that's a weird question. Yeah. I am a naturally optimistic person and believe everything happens for a reason. And so I am thankful. I mean, not think, I don't know if thankful is the right word. I don't want to say I'm thankful for it. I am here about, how about this? I am at peace with how it happened. I like that. It happens. I'm here. Yes, you are. And we are on a podcast talking about it. Yeah. It's so wild how in the moment when those things are happening, it feels so unbearable, so devastating. And like, what what the fuck am I going to do? And then as everything, time heals parts that hurt. Yeah, it truly does. And, And there's been some kind of like aha moments recently, like seeing my Morgan Sinclair designs logo next to the treatment centers logo for sponsorships for conferences feels really fucking cool. What about you? What's your, I'm leaving my full-time job story. One quick note before I dive into my story, I was just thinking about how it's so easy for us to have this quote unquote conversation now. And I put easy in quotes as well, because it's not easy to talk about this stuff, but it's, easy for us to encourage people and kind of big them up to be like, you can do this because we've done it and not in a toxic way of like, we did this, you can do it too. But to be past that point, it is a lot easier for us to talk about this. So we want to hold space for that too. If even after this episode, you're like, fuck, I still can't leave. Like totally understand that 100%. Yeah. Also, I mean, like it was five months, which I know like every, everyone's timeline is going to look a little different, but like got my PIP stuck with it for two months. I had reached my point of tolerance and left like it. And it was, I mean, yeah, it it sucked like truthfully, like it, it was a terrible time mentally. That's probably the most journaling I've ever done in my entire life around. What does this say about me that I almost got fired? It's hard shit, hard shit, but yeah, now we're on the other side, encouraging people to leave if they want to and getting to be hype girls. So we love a good hype girl situation where we get to be the hype girls. It feels way better than being in it. <laughs> 100%. Speaking of being in it or being in it in the past. So my story is I was working at a hospital in Missouri, very safe, cush job. Worked there for like two or three years before I started being a dietitian while I was still in school. And I did a lot of the dietitian duties, felt really comfortable, very integrated into the team. I was offered a PRN job when I graduated. It then quickly turned into full-time. I was making about $50,000 a year and just under, which felt great in the Midwest. I was like, woo! Um, And also I recognize that's a privilege too. I didn't have a lot of expenses or debts. Literally the day I walked into my boss's office and I said, she had like a smile on her face and I had a smile on my face. And I was like, Hey, I am actually going to move to Denver and I'm putting in my month notice. And she was like, Oh shit. She didn't say shit. I'm saying shit. She was like, Oh man, I was just about to ask you if you wanted, if you were interested in the oncology position, which was kind of a bummer because I loved working oncology and I loved, um, I got to do a little bit of work in the outpatient oncology clinic, which I loved. I loved working with head and neck cancer and two feedings and stuff, but I also love this more. (laughs) And so that was just like kind of bummer exchange. It's like, Oh, yep. I'm leaving. That would have been cool to have, but I know that this is for me. 
So I moved from Missouri a month after I put in my month notice, obviously. So it was May 2018. And this was the first time in my life that I did not have multiple jobs. At this point in time, I had my blog for a couple of years and I had a couple kind of random clients, but nothing established. So I, I would consider like not really working, not really contributing money to the household. Um, I was dating somebody at the time, which if you've listened to my business story, um, they graciously moved me out to Denver with them and um, all of our expenses were paid. They were a nurse, all the good stuff. So I didn't really have a lot of, a lot to lose at that point. I knew what I wanted to do, why I was coming out to Denver. I was glad to give myself a, a little bit of a break. I think that's the only time in my life since I was 15 that I didn't work, let alone work multiple jobs. So I was in Denver for two weeks and then I was like, fuck, I need a job. And so I was thinking about working at a treatment center. I applied to a couple, one called me back. They offered me a job. I also was called to scoop ice cream and um, I applied at this mom and pop uh, ice cream shop and they hired me as their manager. So I made like an hourly wage plus tips that ended up being more than a treatment center wanted to pay me PRN. The ice cream industry is lucrative. <laughs> and so really, truly. Yeah. So I took a job there. I worked 20 hours a week. It was usually about three shifts, three or four shifts a week, a lot of nights and weekends. So I could work on my, my practice in the daytime and like build up connections and see some clients, find an office space, everything like that. And it was mindless fun work. So I was able to take care of myself with the little bit of expenses that I had, even with not having to pay rent and things, I still didn't have a ton of expenses. I can live fairly cheap when I need to, like I, I can cut back on a lot. Um, pretty much all I would have to buy myself is groceries. So I was like, that's manageable. Let's do it. And at the time I had an emergency fund that I did blow through some of. So Working at the ice cream shop was fun. It was mindless. So it's great to be able to build stuff during the day at my business. It was really physically exhausting though. Like if you've ever been to an ice cream shop, which I hope you have, the ice cream is in giant gallons. I don't even know how many gallons, but giant buckets. Those things are like 30 fucking pounds. <laughs> and so I'd be like lifting them out of the big freeze, replacing the containers, like scooping out ice cream. We had to fill pints with the ice cream. You know how you can walk into an ice cream shop and buy a pint? Like the workers fill that. And when the ice cream is hard and you have to like jam it out and then shove it in this new container, I was exhausted all the time, tired. So I did that for about six, seven months. So from May, 2018 to January, 2019, I felt I built up my business enough, which at the time was just me in private practice, taking insurance. That was the sole thing I was doing. I was seeing clients. It took me seven months to build the caseload that I felt comfortable enough leaving this kind of safety net job. And I, I want to say, I tried to look back at my calendar before this episode to see if I could see which clients or how many clients I was seeing at that time. I couldn't because it was like an old email address with an old Google calendar, but I would say it was probably around 15 to 20 clients a week I was averaging. And so I really wanted my nights and weekends back. I knew it wasn't sustainable to do all this physical labor and I really needed time to just exist. So 
I made the leap in January, 2019. The ice cream shop was sad for me to go, but that had always been the plan that I was going to be temporary management and leadership for them, which wow, full circle leadership. I didn't even think about that as a role until now, but it's true. Like that's what I was hired for was to tell the high schoolers what to do. Um, and so yes, it took about seven months for me to leave. It was a pretty neutral experience. Again, a lot of privilege with being fairly stable without having to support myself um, fully. And as part of that too, I know a big piece that holds people back from jumping ship is health insurance. And Mm -hmm. at that time, we could have a whole other episode on this, but we'll switch to it (laughs) a little bit more. Um, I was on my parents' health insurance until December of 2019. So I had a whole year to figure it out. And after that, I got a really cheapy plan off the marketplace that didn't cover shit. And then eventually my group practices, I hired employees who also needed health insurance. Some insurance plans, you have to have two or more employees who are going to be on it to get a contract with a bigger insurance carrier. So we finally qualified for that and have had really nice health insurance, though quite pricey, but less pricey than buying off the marketplace and a lot of benefits since then. In that time, I was living inexpensively. I was prioritizing like what I needed to get done and I made it happen and it was fairly smooth. Although the person I was dating at the time and I broke up in that fall before I left the ice cream shop. So that was not fun. We're going to have a whole episode on navigating personal shit while also running a business because woo, man, that is, that is tough too. But uh, yes. Can I make a, a comment on that really quick? And <laughs> before course. we, before we're like recording that episode right now, because we want to talk about it, but, um, I have been through so much fucking shit since I built my practice. And I know a lot of people in my space who have been through some fucking shit. And I'm like, how is all this shit happening? And nobody knows, like nobody knows Yes, people are like going through it. Oh my God. I, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like whenever we first started this podcast, I was going through a breakup and I was like, (laughs) literally before we hit record, I was like crying to Hannah, like, okay, I'm wiping away my tears. Like I'm ready now. (laughs) Yes. And that was totally fine. And we held space for it. We've we had did. a lot of Thank great, you for that. great moments like that in our, in our, honestly, uh, I think it was having this weekly podcast that like was getting me through. Cause I so like, I looked forward to our time together so much. Anyway, I had an original question and it was, if you could leave people with anything today, but I want to reframe that because everyone's journey is going to look different. And I think we were talking to Heather Kaplan about this of like the, if you could give advice, whatever, whatever, like sometimes you just have to go through some shit and you're going to have to figure it out yourself and go along the way. So I want to reframe this question to if you could have a conversation with your younger self that was going through those life transitions what would you tell her? Ooh, I love that. And I love that distinction of like, we can tell you all of our stuff all day, what we went through and what our advice is. But at the same time, like you have to go through it. You just have to fucking do it. And we trust that you'll figure it out. Love that. If I could go back and tell my younger self how to navigate this time or what she would need to know is that she is so capable of doing hard things and making it through rocky, bumpy times and that you can and will figure it out on your own while having support systems. But 
just empowerment to independence and self-sufficiency. Independence is a huge value of mine, which if you listen to our episode on financially independent ladies, one of my goals is to be financially independent by the time I'm 40. And so I just like, don't want to ask people for things if I don't want to, you know? So that was part of it of like, just reassuring my younger self that I can totally do that. It is okay. It's also okay to depend on people at times. And I think I would tell her that I'm so proud of her for taking risk and just doing something. Cause like I said, my experience, especially with time having passed, it was a pretty all right, smooth ish transition. I'm proud of myself for doing the thing I said I was going to do. What about you? If I could talk to my younger self, my, how old was I? 27 year old Morgan. I would tell her you're fucking badass. Growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable and you were so fucking uncomfortable and you grew so much and it got you to where you are. I would tell her to be so thankful for her support network and to never forget who showed up for her during those times. Mm. And I just constantly remind her to to love on her friends and and love on her family and and just it was so helpful to have other people around my like age, life stage, whatever, also opening up their own businesses. And I will never, ever take that for granted because there was like a built-in community of getting to like go through that hard shit together. Mm. I unfortunately did not talk to anyone else that was on a pip. I take that back. I had one friend who had gone through a pip before and that was really helpful to, to, ch- to talk with them on kind of the expectations of, of what that looked like for them. But yeah, I just, I'd give her, I'd give her a really big hug and say, I'm so fucking proud of you. That definitely didn't go how I had planned it to. And I did it anyway. And we're here and we're making it. And that's what counts. Mm, I love that. Our therapists would be so proud of our inner child work and our tending to our younger selves. You know, giving, giving ourselves a big hug. Okay. But real talk. For the people who actually like want tangible tips, <laughs> because I'm that person, I can, I can validate all the emotions all day, every day, but I'm like, okay, but like, what do I actually need to do? So if you're one of those people, Hannah, what tips would you give them? I got you covered. So these are my top things I would have you think about slash put into action. Number one, do not let yourself hit a breaking point, trying to do all the things of working two jobs and burn yourself before you even make the leap. I, I see a lot of people do this where they hang on for too long because of stability, because of different life circumstances, because they're afraid of figuring out insurance. Give yourself like when you hit 65 to 70% of where you want to be, start, start slowly making that leap. 60 to 75% of what? Financial goals, number of clients. Ooh. I would say, I mean, at the root of everything is financial goals, right? Because finances allow us to sustain ourselves, to continue doing the hard work that is client work or business or both. It also allows for the ability to take time and space when you can meet your basic needs because you have finances. So we'll say finances, get to where you want to be, whether that's like counting clients to anticipate what you'll make, get to that 60 to 75% 
I think I said 65 to 70, but I actually like that bigger window of flexibility. Oh, 65 percent. My bad. <laughs> no, it's great. It's perfect. Um, and that's, so just a, this is a side tangent, but when we hire people at Nourish Colorado, we start to do that process when, when our people are mostly full and then our last hire was about 75% full. So mm. that's how we kind of look at it. Like, okay, we're ready for the next person to come on. Number two, have a three to six month emergency fund. If you can, if you are someone who is working a stable job and have some extra means, shove that shit aside and do not touch it if you can help it. If that is not doable, which totally respect that. And I know it's not for a lot of people, just having some kind of cash nest egg. That's what they're for. They're literally for times where there's uncertainty and you can tap into it. So please have a little bit of a cash reserve, whatever you feel comfortable doing. If that means like you are reducing like fun things for a little while and knowing that it's super temporary or like you're picking up another job. If you're not quite at that burnout point, like I know I always thought about doing DoorDash or Uber if I wanted to, or needed to, there's pet sitting, things like that, um, to where you can build up that, that nest egg. One. Yes. hundred percent. It is so hard to let go of that money once you've built it up. So know exactly how much is actually like emergency fund versus like savings for like future savings and know that you might just have to burn through that emergency fund and it sucks to let go of that money, but that's what it's there for. Yes, exactly. And just remember, you can always get another job if you want to slash need to. If something didn't work out with your business, you could pick up something. There's always something to be done. I am so for doing any job that I would need to. Like I actually forgot about this until the other day when I um, had someone come clean my condo and they were so wonderful. I cleaned houses in college. I forgot about that. I had like a couple weeks where I met somebody I was working with at the grocery store who was lovely. And he was like, Hey, you want to help me clean some houses? And I was like, sure. And it was great money. And it was another way to build up funds. So you are not above picking up some rando job. It doesn't have to be in our space can literally just be to get you by for a bit. And that's honestly what I think a lot of those jobs exist for. And then I want you to write out an action plan. So if you're like shitting yourself thinking about leaving your job, I want you to write out a timeline. I would do three to six months. That's what I recommend and write exactly what needs to happen in that time for you to feel okay. And Maybe the okay is not great. Like you're not living your best life, making the money you want, doing all the work that you want, but that you will have enough to make that leap. Three to six months. If you don't make a timeline, time is just going to pass. You're going to feel even more chaotic and it gives you something measurable. So like if you didn't reach where you wanted to be in the three months that you thought you would, that gives you space to reflect on what happened and what needs to shift so that you are able to leave in the next three months. There's action and thoughts that can be formulated to help you through this time. And if you're in a space like I was where you didn't really have time to to write it out, that would be priority number one whenever you know that you're leaving or if you like even like right after if you get fired or if you get let go or if you like rapidly like put in your notice. That was what was so helpful for me of writing out that action plan of like, I have a month to like get my shit together and here's what I'm going to do. I These are the bare minimum things that I need. I love that. I guess the last thing that I would offer, and then I want to hear if you have anything to add, 
but write out your worst fears, write out your worst case scenario. Like, is it that you won't have a job for a bit? Okay, cool. How bad is that going to be? Like, I know it could be bad. Let's name it if that is, or like, let's name the catastrophic fear that might be going on and see if there's any reality to it. And if there is, what needs to be put into place to mitigate that? I literally wrote out and asked myself, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. So many times, so many times for me, the worst that could happen was I would be back in with my parents and I would have to say goodbye to my studio. And that felt like the end of the world for me. And it didn't happen, but I wrote it out because it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Probably the two that I would add on is make sure that you have time to celebrate your small wins too. Hmm. Even if it's just five minutes out of the day and you put on your favorite song and you have a little dance party because you booked another client in the first few months of entrepreneurship, well, the, the few months leading up to leaving and then the first few months, like you have to be able to celebrate those small wins because every small win is getting you one step closer to the end goal. That's right. Yeah. And then I know this is so much easier said than done. I know it's so cliche. I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth, but it's going to done is better than perfect. You don't know what you don't know. And so you just have to like put one foot in front of the other, knowing that you're not always going to be moving forward. You might be moving sideways. Sometimes you might be moving backwards sometimes, but you have to, there has to be movement. So you can figure out what works best for you and your business. Uh, I feel like that one is going to like stab so many people in the heart. It reminded me of the quote, perfection is the enemy of the good. And it's just good enough. That's literally a quote. Maybe we should put that on merch. Like what you're doing is good enough. You are good enough. It's nothing is going to be perfect. Perfect doesn't exist except for babies. Babies are perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like an 85% B plus kind of gal. So that's what I always say. B plus effort. Good enough. Get it done. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Pod. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and prep talks. See you next week. Bye.